listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about the power and importance of coaching in your organization, how it empowers individuals, inspires teams, and drives results. To help tackle the topic today, we have with us Linda Page, AVP of Global Field Enablement for Splunk. Linda, thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. Thanks for having me, Chad. Looking forward to the conversation. Uh, so let's start with the obvious for those that don't know. How about just a quick overview of, of Splunk and your role there? Sure, happy to. So Splunk's mission is really to make machine data accessible, usable, and valuable to everyone. It's uh, it's a great company. It's a growing company. We've got over 14,000 cu- customers um, headquartered in San Francisco, uh, about 3,000-plus employees worldwide, and uh, really focus across a lot of different core verticals, uh, solutions in uh, IT, um, infrastructure and operations, uh, security and compliance, business analytics, and Internet of Things and industrial data. So, um, growing company just just uh, hit uh, over the one billion dollar mark, which is a, a unique group for um, you know software companies. So, very excited to be working at Splunk. Um, as my role to answer the question on role, I'm leading the global field enablement team, which is responsible for driving. Productivity really across all of Splunk's customer-facing roles. So, as I mentioned, you know, Splunk is in this unique league of uh, tech software companies that's crossed over the billion-dollar mark. And part of my job is really to help the company scale to the next level. And we're, you know, we believe that every company out there needs Splunk for security or IT operations, and eventually for the other areas that I mentioned. So, my charter is really to ensure that the workforce, sales, tech, consulting, customer success teams are empowered to help our customers on that journey. That's a that's a big description for the company, and that's a big role. It, it is a big role, and it's an exciting role. And uh, uh, I'm very fortunate that our our CEO and our head of sales both feel that enablement is uh, critical to the business. So I'm I'm really connected and have a seat at the table, which is uh, a bit of the holy grail for someone in my space. Well, yeah, in order for it to be successful, that's definitely where you want to be. But I'm, I'm curious, so how did we end up in the enablement field? Was it a goal or just someplace that you, know, you kind of found yourself? How, how did that happen? <laughs> well, um, I'm guessing like many of us, I'm an accidental enablement professional. I, <laughs> did not, <laughs> I, I did not know that this was even a job. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it was something I could have studied, but... Um, I had a, an early career outside of tech and had my first opportunity to, to get into this industry at Macromedia a number of years ago. But I came in on the product uh, internationalization and localization side. But that, what they did is it gave me access to our global field organizations that were, you know, obviously primarily sales focused. So I started with that lens, and then it's very quick to, you know, you can get very quickly to the point of uh, of interest around how to ensure that those on the front lines. Um, with customers are, are actually uh, able to be successful. So I had, uh, being that the company was, you know, at the size and, um, you know, uh, size at that time, I was able to jump into the enablement world and really start start my career there. Um, you know, you know, in that kind of almost startup mentality, right, where people get opportunities to take jobs that they haven't really had a background in before. <laughs> yeah, most so. people in enablement and sales, when you ask them, you know, when you were a kid and you were playing with your toys, what did you say? Hey, I'm going to go into enablement or sales, and the answer is always no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Didn't even know it existed. <laughs> but, um, uh, but but it's still good. It's all great. 
Excellent. And so as we were preparing for this conversation, we, we talked about, we wanted to focus on creating a, co- a coaching culture. So I'm help our audience understand why you feel this is such a critical topic for organizations. Sure. So I'm pretty passionate about it because I believe that, uh, you know, the moment of truth really happens between the first line manager and the rep or the individual that they're, um, they're responsible in, you know, to manage. So the opportunity to, to motivate, to change, to improve really happens with that interaction. It's not that we can't, you know, help that along in other ways, but, but it really, to me, that's the, that's the sweet spot. Um, you know, from a company perspective, the, the also, you know, I mentioned my charter earlier, but really the only way I can see to scale is to ignite that first line manager. And, um, you know, at Splunk, I'm, I'm trying to frame it as creating a movement around coaching, which really translates to getting more than just the enablement team involved and embracing the ideas of the coaching and this idea of continuous learning and improvement. So, you know, the, the other points of interest, I think, for, for, you know, around coaching for me is how do we anticipate and proactively um, address leading indicators of success versus just magic, measuring the lagging indicators, which are really less actionable. And for me, you know, that I want something that I can maybe directly correlate um, success around for my team. So it's, you know, it's, it's really difficult to do something once trouble starts or once you start seeing things show up with performance, it's kind of too late. But if you start looking at coaching to competencies, that's really more in, in our control it can help us predict the team's ability to hit their numbers in the future. And, you know, it's also in terms of the, the idea of innovating, you know, all companies have, uh, you know, they have uh, self-team performance goals, but not all have improvement goals or coaching quotas. So, um, you know, that we can then look to that and say, hey, you know, how do we see an increase in our revenue, but, but also in skills and knowledge that lead to revenue and customer success, as well as I believe, you know, employee retention. So, I guess long way of saying good coaching can really create aha moments and make knowledge sticky and ultimately help improve ramp times for new employees as well as results. But it's, it's interesting to me to get ahead of things versus that being on the back end of that. Well, and the, the proactive coaching is so critical. I mean, I think we're cut from the same cloth when it comes to that. The challenge becomes, at least that I've seen, is uh, there's definitely a difference between coaching and feedback. A lot of managers uh, struggle, right, with that. And so I'm curious how you, you know, how do you work to make sure that the behaviors, the people that are coaching are actually doing coaching instead of just giving feedback? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one, right? Because I think you've got to start by being clear on the difference between the two. So and when, when you really should use both, because you need both, um, they're useful, but, you know, I think coaching is more around unlocking someone's, you know, um, long, you know, long-term potential. So, you know, there may be a real need for that situational type, um, you know, forecasting a, a customer meeting and instant feedback, but, um, really the developmental coaching piece and unlocking that longer term piece is, is, um, you know, a place where you can have more of a forward focus. So, I think that's that's the first step is just understanding you know feedback is time and place for feedback, time and place for coaching. And and then from there, I think you have to help build it into the existing cadence, right? So you know, frontline managers don't really want you to add something new to their plate. They're usually <laughs> they're usually a little bit averse to that, right? So um but but they um they they do usually they're open to maybe making something already scheduled easier or more effective. And, uh, and if they can see the connection to performance improvement and revenue, then they might consider it and, uh, you know, you know, and be willing to engage with you around a class, you know, conversation around how we can do, do things better. So 
um, you know, I think the other piece is that sales leaders don't typically see themselves in the learning business. So it's really up to the enablement team to partner effectively, right, and provide the tools and portfolio, a coaching portfolio for them to remove those barriers. But, um, you know, really you know, helping kind of empower them to, to do what they need to do. Well, it's extremely empowering, I think, for managers when they're taught how to be effective coaches. Uh, it makes them more successful. It makes, you know, there's a lot of intrinsic reward, not just the business value that comes out of it, but there's a lot of intrinsic reward that comes from that. But we're not, you know, we don't just wake up one day and all of a sudden we're a great coach. It takes it takes a lot of coaching the coach or training the trainer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, and a lot of the frontline managers that I know, if you ask them, they probably say their job's hurting cats. And so... Yeah. The, putting something new in a way that is going to provide them value, I think is, is critical, but you have to start with, and you'd mentioned this kind of in the, in the back and forth that we had before this uh, about a coaching baseline or a profile of excellence. I was hoping you could expand on that a little bit. Yeah, happy to, you know, I think um, when I think about a baseline, it really means, uh, well, I started calling it aligning around what good looks like. Um, our head of, uh, of the field, Susan, um, challenged me around that. She said, we, "We're not interested in good. We're we're interested. We want to be more interested in what great looks like." Um, <laughs> so, so what great looks like, and and taking the time to to really define what excellence means for that role, the the aspiration for that profile. And I think you know, once again, people um, don't always. Uh, take the time to really define that um, all the way from starting from the hiring profile and then how do we want to, um, you know, to align to that. Once you have that, if you have a really clear, you know, idea of that, of that profile of excellence, then it's about determining focus because, you know, what's really important to tackle first, you've got to break down that profile into achievable steps to that goal and can maybe take bite-sized things to coach to. Um, and then obviously then that would lead to another element, which is measurement. And, and how will we measure progress against those things that we've selected to go after? And you know, we're, we're just really teeing that up at, at, at Splunk, but you, you have to set the starting point that, you know, measure the before and after. And it could be things like, um, you know, a standard deliver, right, where you're, you're seeing if someone can do something before or after. Or it could be tying to things like, you know, really trying to diagnose, uh, or, or I'm sorry, looking at metrics like, um, you know, pipeline maturity, how, the, how is the pipeline composition maturing? And, how can we maybe act to, to um, you know, how is this changing uh, our ability to sort of make that more robust? And then, um, you know, we talked, I think we kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier thing, but, but it's, it's good if we can, if you, you know, it can make this more than, than just, um, you know, uh, giving some feedback or, or that kind of thing where you, if you diagnose the problem, what's the action that we want to take and how can we respond with training or support after that coaching moment? So I think those are the elements if you think kind of, you know, profile focus measurement and then uh, ability to sort of diagnose and prescribe. Um, those are kind of, that's kind of how I think about um, the elements in, in terms of creating that baseline and, and profile and, and acting on it. Okay. And so th this is, uh, I don't mean to catch off guard. I've got a question that wasn't in the, in the prep list. Anybody who's been on the podcast will, will know that I send out the questions so that we can stay on point, but I have one popped in. I've got to ask when you, when you look at the impact that coaching has had, is there a, a story or an example that you can give where maybe somebody was a little bit you know reticent to engage in, in that type of coaching behavior, but all of a sudden something happened where the light bulb went on? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think the light bulb happens a lot of times where I think we have a lot of people who are, are probably very confident that end up in sales roles, right? So some, sometimes the light bulb, bulb go, goes on when you say, 
you know, can you do that? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. I can do that. Right. Cause that's, that, that's the kind of person you want in these, these roles. <laughs> sure. So I, um, so I, I think uh, one example, I'll, I'll use it more from a, this is actually focused on the manager versus the individual, but um, I'm going to use an example of a, of a deal review. And this actually ties to some work we've, you know, um, we were doing specifically um, uh, with, with, a, with uh, one of our partners with um, uh, externally. So if you, you know, you got someone it's like, do you do deal reviews? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well then let's, let's uh, show you a model of what good looks like. Okay. Now you do it. And then, you know, that didn't come quite so fluidly. And so um, it, at the end of the, the call, you know, I think that the, the acknowledgement was, okay, I thought I could do this, right? So you start there and then showing what good looks like, right? Showing that process that kind of here's what we really mean by an extensive deal review across all of the different spectrums. And, oh, you caught that, right? We could have caught that at this deal at this point in time. And then the aha moment was, oh, I don't, I covered, you know, half of this or two, three quarters of it. I don't, when I think of a deal review, I'm really focusing in on one or two areas. So I've, I've saw, you know, the, the light go off. Okay. I'm going to start doing this. And then the, the real indicator was a couple quarters later when um, you start to see that uh, it really actually, the, the person identified that they were not getting stuck in the sales stages in the same way because nine times, like a lot of the issues that was coming up later in the sales cycle would have been caught in a, in a good deal review. So Without going into the specific person, that's an example of where I think, you know, sometimes, you know, it's easy for someone to think they're good at something because we haven't really, you know, that, 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 for all they know they are, but until you really define it, um, then they can say, oh, okay, well, I'm, I am good at part of this, but not all of it. And then they rose to the challenge and then started covering all the bases. And so to make that coaching really part of the culture, I have no doubt you have to work, you know, with a lot of different areas in the organization. Uh, how do you work with them to make sure that it's, you know, coaching isn't just another box that shows up on a, on a list that gets checked somewhere? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it, it has to be seen as essential. It can't be separate. It can't be a separate thing that enablement does. I, I would just say, um, you know, Data is our friend. Uh, sales ops is our friend. Um, you know how sales is being measured and how people want to lead, and the dashboards and inspection practices are all part of this, right? So, so for for me, um, it can't be seen as a, a check the box thing that enablement is pushing out. It has to be owned by once again the people on the front line. They have to see value in it, and then we have to you know partner with all of the organizations to build it into a day in the life. Because if it's something that's separate and distinct. Um, it's, it's really hard to create that movement I was talking about earlier. Okay. And so let's pivot a little bit here. And just, uh, we talk on some of our podcasts a lot about the enablement function, how it impacts sales individuals and things like that. So for context and just kind of give people a little bit more focus, can you describe the way you've, you've kind of structured the team at Splunk and how you're, how you're coaching your coaches to be effective in the organization? Yeah. Um, so remember, I've been at Splunk for just over a whopping two months. So, um, I'll, I'll tell are are you we going to give them vision? We're going to give people that listen that we'll give them a sneak peek into the vision of what's coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's gotten a little sneak peek because I did I have done my initial readout, but I, but uh, so this is uh, definitely a work in progress. But um, I can share a couple of things. And you know, like I think like many um, enablement and learning organizations, we're really making a shift from just being that training and content development org. Um, and shifting to a, a productivity organization. So that's something that's not specific to Splunk. I mean, it's you know, I think it's a hot topic on many people's minds these days. Um, that doesn't mean we don't, you know, enable and train, but it does mean that we're investing in 
uh, a productivity, what I, you know, I would guess I call a productivity practice, which would mean, you know, a focused um, group of people that are thinking about observing, assessing, and coaching and building that skill in our managers. Um, and I'm a big believer in having that set within the business and region um, so that they can really be seen part of the, the, the core team. Um, so we'll be putting that in place. Um, and trying to find the balance between supporting and developing managers, you know, so that we can scale because these few individuals won't really, they can't ultimately do the manager's job for them, right? But, but what they can do is develop and support and help them, you know, crawl, walk, run to, a, to, to the goal that we have in place and remove barriers and things. So that's a big thing uh, that we're, we're putting in place. Um, the idea that those teams will leverage our global programs, right? So, so I think, you know, that profile of excellence and onboarding and, and the, in the portfolios, those are really things that we want to plug and play from. So we have a team focused around, you know, the global programs and, and that content um, and, you know, core curriculum, if you will. And then concurrently, we're, we're really focusing our, um, you know, our, our content and infrastructure teams on, on driving um, an improved learner experience, you know, across the board, really working to improve things like discoverability, the way we have uh, delivered just-in-time learning, performance support, that idea of democratizing, you know, learning for the for the field, so that it's um, both a, a push motion, but a, a very easy pull motion as well, which includes a lot of things like peer-to-peer -peer and, and a lot of the kinds of things that are out there right now. So, um, yeah, so that's our structure. Definitely, you know, global uh, global programs, organizations, um, productivity practice in region, and then you know our core uh, our core learning teams. And is there a way that the organization, um, you know, you're familiar with, of course, the value selling framework, so I'm going to use some terminology that you would obviously know, but is there a core way that your team's going to be measured, key metrics that they have to hit? How does that roll up into the organization so the investment and enablement and all of that is uh, justified and everybody goes, yes, this was worth it? Are there key metrics that you see either, and maybe you don't need to get so specific at Splunk, but just in general, maybe what are the some of those key metrics that enablement as a as an organization should be focused on achieving yeah you know um so yeah i'll talk about it in, in broad strokes the it, it's, it's always tricky right because the in, in connecting to the why uh, why people want to go through the enablement you really have to have the same objectives that the company has so you know it's uh, you know you want people to understand that what you're doing is impacting it you know the the, the focus on achieving balanced attainment or you know, scaling or customer success, the overall, you know, the overall metrics for the company. But I think what you're alluding to is, of course, we can't in enablement take full credit for any of those things, right? We can't say just because we put somebody into our programs, they made their number. And so, um, you know, we, we can't draw that straight line back to and regular. So, so where I see, you know, where, where I think every organization is, is looking at, you can't really just look at completion as a, um, you know, a lot of companies have been doing that over time, right? That's just, yeah, did they go through the program? And, you know, it's a it's a metric. It's probably not a compelling metric. Um, it's it's necessary, but not necessarily the most important. Um, I think looking at things like uh, thinking about sort of your content more like uh, companies think about their content, like consumption, usage, usage adoption, um, those kinds of metrics. I think it's very important for us to think about in terms of engaging learners and that type of thing. And then going back to the coaching theme, really the measure, the measurements, that's what, I, what makes me also very interested in coaching because while I can't say um, I, you know, uh, directly imp impacted revenue, what I can do is measure that before and after piece, right? We had 10 people who could do an excellent deal review. Uh, we had five who really couldn't. And then we had two people that were terrible. If I can move somebody from, you know, 
that middle category to the top category from a before and after view, that, that's directly measurable to the programs that we're running. Um, so I think a lot more on that, on that, you know, demonstrated knowledge side of the house, shifting more to that versus, you know, just, um, you know, and then, you know, we were also looking at some things like how do you tie that to sort of how, once again, the, the pipeline piece and call that pipeline, not just the, the quantity, but the quality, um, velocity shaped pipeline, right? The, the mix. And I think there are some activities you can drive. So for example, say you want to see an increase in partner contribution to your pipe. Um, you know, you, you go through and you, you see you have a problem in certain places, certain regions with certain teams, you run a drill, you run an exercise, you see if that starts to, to change that, the results in the pipe. So those are just a few ideas of maybe some places that the, the teams are looking to go. Excellent. I, I appreciate that insight. And so what is it that you find the most rewarding about enablement? Um, you know, it's kind of corny, but I, uh, there was a, a guy, um, the head of the Boston Philharmonic, Ben Zander, I think is his name, that had this metaphor about, had a, a moment of truth where he realized uh, he was standing in front of an orchestra and his job was to make other people powerful. And, and orchestrating that is, is actually kind of an art. And so um, I'm not claiming that I'm as artistic as that, but I do like the, the idea of being able to empower uh, teams to, to achieve greater results. And, um, you know, I mentioned this earlier as well. Um, it's very rewarding when you can get a seat at the table for yourself and for your team and when people see you as a, a strategic part of the business and you feel um, that you have, you know, you really can impact the success of the company. So those are, those are probably the two main things for me. Excellent. Excellent. So I ask our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. And first is simply as a revenue executive at AVP for a very well-known and growing company uh, that makes you a prospect for many people out there. And there's often, uh, we spend a lot of time in the sales profession talking about, you know, what's effective prospecting. So I like to ask executives, what is it that would capture your attention if somebody were to reach out to you? Not a referral, kind of like not like how you and I met, but just as somebody cold who really thought they had a solution for you. What would capture your attention and help them build credibility? I well, I, I wish I had something purely unique. So I'm sure you've got you know some themes in this area, but um, for me, it comes down to relevance and understanding my business. Um, I'll, I'll add a little bit of a, and I, I know that's very broad stroke. So I'll add a little bit. I think. One thing that um, you can never under, uh, undervalue the importance of um, is um, is timing. So timing is everything. So you know, and some of that is pure accident, but some of it can be be uh, you know, planned by understanding what what people are doing. Uh, so that you know, if they can articulate an issue that I'm in the process of dealing with in that moment, um, even if I don't know them, to, oftentimes I will talk to them or have someone from my team talk to them. So this this is um, it is still the you know the leader piece of that is is understand my business but you know given that I'm a new person you know at, at a company right thinking about that you know what what might I be dealing with in that point in time how how might they see certain things that are happening with the company translating into my new charter are there things that they know that you know they can kind of do due diligence around to figure out what what I'm specifically working on that, that is that timing thing probably for me is the biggest one Perfect. Perfect. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there was one thing you could tell sales marketing or marketing professionals or any professional uh, that if they listened, and I always throw that in there, if they actually listened and applied it, that you believe would help them uh, hit their targets, crush quota, be more successful, what would that be and why? 
Well, uh, I say what Sam probably a little bit, um, you know, not the first time to, person to say this, but do the work. There's, there's a lot of good practices out there, but there's not a silver bullet beyond doing the work. It's all about planning, being prepared, and then being able to act when the opportunity presents itself. So I'm a, I'm a big believer that preparation allows acceleration and that if, you know, sales people are focused on getting better at what they do and not just on the revenue number, then they're both going to come. Um, so that would be, um, that would be my acceleration insight. I think you called it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Much appreciated. Linda, if a listener's interested in, in talking more about the topics we touched on today, uh, is there a preferred way to get in touch with you? LinkedIn, email, phone call? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of LinkedIn. So definitely reach out on LinkedIn and let me know what your interest is and I'll, um, I'll respond that way uh, pretty quickly. Okay. Excellent. Linda, I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. It's been great having you on the show. Uh, thank, thank you. It's fun. It's always fun. Um, doing these things are really fun because it, it, it uh, forces you to pause and really think about um, what you're trying to accomplish in, on the topic yourself. So it's always a learning experience uh, to, to put something like this in. thanks for that oh no thank you thank you all right everyone that does it for this episode please check us out at b2brevexec.com you know the drill i ask it all the time share friends share this with friends family coworkers. if you like what you hear leave us a review and keep in mind until next time we have value prime solutions wish you all nothing but the greatest success you've been listening to the b2b revenue executive experience To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.